This is Trash Talk with your host, Garrett the Trash Man. <laughs> Doesn't just, matter. I just know that Garrett starts with the rant, <laughs> and then we go from there. So, <laughs> well, how'd John start today? I, I, I'm, I'm ready. I bring it. I, all that crap you talked about, the town of Snowflake, I... <laughs> Okay, and I cannot Actually, wait. Actually, let's let's start with this. This is a question I've been wanting to ask someone, and you may not have the answer, but I got some work to do. If um, depending on the answer, okay. Snowflake pool. Okay. Um, is it in the plans and the budget for that being finished? The landscaping and paved parking. Yes. Okay. So I was ready to I was ready to raise some money. If not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, the history of those type of things, I think it's important that we uh, start on even and fair ground. And a, pe- a lot of people, especially people moving in, want amenities like a pool. And I was on the council when we closed the pool, and I utilized the pool a lot to swim, yeah. to train for triathlons and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, I, we used to have a, a bunch of ladies that would go down. We call them the float club. They they said they exercised, but they'd just go down in the deep end and just sit and chit-chat and gossip and talk. And every once in a while, it was fun just to go float with them. We'd go float with the float club. And and so I knew that it had a purpose. And when when we decided to close it, to me, it was more of a, a legal thing. You know, there was a beam breaking. The liability was high. Um when it came down to the decision, we had a big group of people that were like, don't close this, you know, kind of protesting it. And uh, obviously a public pool does not make money. We sent a liaison to Texas to go to a course to see what it would take to, to actually make money on a pool and that kind of stuff. And it, and it just didn't work out. <clears throat> and so um, my bottom line was Mr. Lawyer, What's the liability if we don't shut this? Very high. Okay, I vote that we close it down. And, um, you know, I ran the statistics, and in the town, there are several things that do not make money. The the golf course is a huge liability. Uh, Parks and recreation, huge liability. Uh, Library, a a huge liability. And then the pool was a huge liability. Out Out of all of them, the pool was the la- least liability. Obviously, we didn't have it open year-round, <clears throat> um, but nonetheless, it was still li- the least liability. And I'm like, if we're going to close anything down, you know, you got to close the, the golf course or you got to close Parks and Rec, you know. I mean, golf course costs us probably, and it varies, um, probably four four $400,000 a year to subsidize uh, Parks and Rec, uh, couple of hundred thousand to subsidize so is that just like a uh the nature of it or because it seems to me outside looking in like i look at a place like st george or like is there is there no one that turns those liabilities into assets Uh, you can and we've explored those issues and we've tried to talk about those issues but not everybody's on board like that we've talked about selling the golf course we've talked about downsizing the golf course i mean ways to get it to better um to be better to be more productive and and i guess one thing i'd ask about that too because it's not as cut and dry as um some business like if if you're selling a product in a business like it's very easy to look at and say 
like this is a liability and it just cost me money mm-hmm. um but it take like a service business like for example your your uh um pt office there's a lot of things that maybe don't directly like it's not a direct line to yeah. the bottom line but uh a intelligent business person can see the impact it has on the bottom line yeah like you could you could do your pt thing out of a storage unit over here and like save money because your your uh equipment your nice office and everything is a liability Mm -hmm. but a wise business person can look at that and go that's that's not a good business plan even if on paper it would save me money the atmosphere people are coming to yada 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 um so when we call it a liability from what I'm understanding, like you're, you're talking to liability strictly as, Hey, this is the money in, this is the money yes. out, not taking into consideration. This attracts people that attracts yeah. a tax revenue, yada, yada, yada. 100%. And it, I call those, I don't know if, uh, an account would call, I call those the intangibles. Yes. Okay? We can't measure the intangibles. We can't measure how many people buy gas in town because they come to our golf course. We can't measure how many people move to the area because, hey, this golf course looks nice. I want a house on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't measure that kind of how much, how, how much food is sold and that kind of stuff. Um, you can make estimates, but, you know, to date, there has no no one person or no account come out and said, hey, um, in the last year, uh, to decrease the liability or the expense of this golf course, we had a hundred thousand dollars in food, and you know that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. and it supported this business. But, but and, it would be an error for someone <clears throat> to look at that, or, oh, yeah. or just hear and say it's a four hundred thousand dollar loss. This is ridiculous without taking into consideration all those immeasurables, unknowables, but obviously there. Yes, like like obviously there's an impact on the twenty fourth of July when the twenty fourth of July golf tournament happens. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. A ton of people come, and and that's the same thing with the rodeo grounds. That's the same thing with Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the number of people that come out of town to play softball or yeah. to play flag football or something like that. You can't measure that. You know, how much money do we get from them just getting a, a Gatorade after after they play? Or well, something and like, like that? I, I would. I would venture to say, like, a big part of St. George, Utah, is built around yeah. parks and rec. Like 100%. That, that type of stuff. Like, there's not a weekend in St. George that doesn't have multiple events going on that I, I can imagine. And, and that's built into something much bigger. The college has gotten bigger there, everything else. Yeah. But, like, outside looking in on that, like, that seems like that's been what's produced that town to what it is. And, and so – that comes up with the master plan. Obviously, your town wants to have a master plan. They want to know where the growth is going to go. They want to know what kind of growth they want to do. They want, you know, industrial aspects versus mm-hmm. uh, the other amenity aspects. And I think it's important that your town have a, a good master plan. Um, some of those places, <clears throat> whoever was in leadership at the time, with their vision, they're saying, you know, this area could be a great recreational area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so let's do it around that. And that's why they have so many uh, bike paths. That's why they have so many parks. That's why, you know, because somebody in the past said this will be the future vision for this town. And, I think and it's they moved similar on to a 
to a business. Yeah. Like like a, a business that has a leader that steps in and is kind of like, well, we'll just put out fires and live day to day. Like that uh, business is not a great business. Yeah. But a business where a leader steps in and says, hey, I have a vision. I can see where I want this to be in 20 years. Yep. And generally, especially if you just listen to our last podcast, the guy we had in our last podcast, he had a five-year vision for his business or five to five to seven years. Is that what yeah. they're anticipating? And in two years, they knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Which that's, I think, generally what happens when leadership is truly brought and there's clarity on the vision. Even your, your long-term ones usually are accomplished way quicker yeah. um, because there's clarity. And the, the nice thing, I mean, there's, there's good things that, that yes – um, if I can choose my words wisely here. Um, I, the thing that I've learned about these things is when you get done with them, half the people are going to hate your guts and half the people are going to like you. So we got we got to choose appropriately. Um, in an organization, it's a little bit easier because you direct that organization. You don't have sure. a lot of your employees don't come and say, boss, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Well, they might, but I don't have to care either. Like or we or just, you don't have to keep them. We, yeah. We just got a new system. Probably at least 25%. We moved from paper to tablet came up and we're like, this is dumb. I don't know who thought this would be better. This is stupid. I, we're not going to use this. And it's like, oh, well, we just invested, um, Tens of thousands of dollars into this, so yeah, you're you're gonna use yeah. it, or there's the door. <laughs> exactly. See, but in a town, you can't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you got half the town saying, "Get rid of that stupid golf course. That is the biggest waste of money. We could utilize that on so many other things." You know what are you doing? Well, I can't say move somewhere else. You know, I can't say to to the person in the town saying, well, you're stupid. You don't know. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes by our vote, we're saying, nah, you don't really know. Uh, so we're going to do this because it is for the betterment of the town. But then again, uh, you, you know, you can't you can't get rid of that. And and it's just an interesting dynamic in the town. Yes. If if you're a dynamic leader and you can get people on your side you know, on, on the movement, then, then that's good. I guess that's good leadership, but then you always have that other half of the population, the population that's saying, what the heck, you know, uh, we like our town the way it was, you know, (laughs) we, we don't want it to be big. We don't want property tax. We don't want increased tax. You know, we are, this town is the poorest town in, in Navajo County, you know, and, and people say, well, why don't you get this? Well, it's because our tax rate is lower than any other town. Uh, you want us to raise the tax rate? Heck no. Then we're not going to get that amenity. So I have a question for you that I've had this question already, but it's great that you said it. Um, do you feel like you would have a better sense of this than I would or Garrett would? Because you hear a lot more and get a lot more feedback in this domain. Snowflake is growing. Like, that's very apparent. Do you feel like the majority of people in Snowflake want to see Snowflake become, like, the next Sholo or Flagstaff, like, grow and become, like, a hotspot? Or do you feel like the majority want to keep it as small as possible? Real quick, can I pause on that so we can get an intro? 
Because oh, my, yeah. my question, I didn't mean to roll right in, but I love it. But real quick, because people might be a little bit confused 10 minutes in. Like, who are they talking to? So just real quick, and we'll come back. We'll do our rants. We'll, we'll wrap back around. But real quick, before you answer, because I want to explain why you'd have a pulse on it. Real quick, who we got here is Lynn Johnson. And here, here's what I want to say about the introduction. I believe every problem in our world, in our families, in our communities, in our country can be solved by one thing. And I think that one thing is leadership. And I'm really excited to have Lynn here because you exude leadership and you're just, just a quick introduction. You've, you've been in leadership positions in the church, in your business. Um, I know quite a bit of your family and, and from what I hear, like they hold you as a uh, a leader in your family, um, and you're also a leader in our community, and you're currently the mayor of Snowflake and state champ coach. Track. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So you you seem to be a person that just uh, like leadership is your way of being, and so everywhere you go, like you bring leadership with you, and so I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Talk about that. Now, since people know who the heck you are, <laughs> let's go back to John's question. So, yeah, do most people want where, where, where would you say the majority of people lie on those two sides of the spectrum? I think it's – I mean, it's not a cut-and-dry judgment. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that we can divide it. How big those divisions are, I don't know. But I think the the population is this. You have the older generation mm-hmm. that's been here for years that's saying – I don't want this, yep. you know, if we grow, our town's going to go to heck in a handbasket, you know, let's keep it the way that it was, even though we're not the agrar- agrarian society that we used to be, let's just keep it small, quaint, you know, we want to know everybody, that type of stuff. Then you have the middle line group that says, yeah, we love this small town atmosphere, but we want the big town amenities. You know, we want to be pressed. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we, yeah. That's a true statement. We don't, we don't want to be, you know, in the city so big, but we want to have the availability of the things that we like. Yeah. And then you have a, a younger, I, and I would say younger generation, but you have a, a certain amount of the population that says, come on, let's get with the stuff here. You know, let's let's get going and, and let's get this thing online and on board. And and it's it's a whole interesting dynamic as you see that in the city. Uh, you know, say someone wants to build apartment complex. Um, and, you, you know, you have houses. But, but, hey, yeah, we need we need housing, but don't build it near my house. Oh, yeah. You know, we need housing, but I don't want that type of housing. Or we need housing, but let's make sure that, you know, it's a little bit higher class. We don't want the low class thing. And, um, I mean, we've had multiple of those uh, come to us from planning and zoning uh, to pass as a a city council uh, where, I mean, people show up. Don't put that near my house. You know, I mean, we had one just right here oh. by the golf course, and it was a huge. And and it's funny because then people start name calling and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, and I just like, holy cow, you know. That escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, and and it's funny because yeah, we want growth, but not 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 near me. I want growth, but don't do it near my place. See, and that that though I think speaks to like 
I would imagine there could be a level of clarity bought, brought to that. Like, I don't think those actually have to be in conflict. Like, it could look like, hey, we're going to grow, and we're really clear on what our culture looks like here. So we know there needs to be availability for lower-income housing. This is the area that's going to happen, yeah. and that's set in that way. Now, can we have and, – and I guess I just don't know how a lot of it works too, but it seemed to me like it wouldn't be that hard to have a uh, – um, area where it's like, yeah, you can have multifamily, but this is different multifamily than the multifamily that's allowed over here. And we're going to approve only certain designs, only certain levels of quality that are going to be around here. This And and we want to know what, what type of rent you're going to be charging in this area. Yeah. And and if it's not going to be allowed to be lower than this. And, and that's where your master plan comes in mm-hmm. because that plans for your growth. And unfortunately, as we're developing as a town, and as we're growing, um, a lot of times, uh, you know, it takes a visionary to see, hey, what the, the possibilities of this could be. Um, it, it's probably taken us longer than we should to get an updated master plan. And where a lot of the zoning, I mean, there's still some places that are still zoned agricultural. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, that shouldn't have been, <laughs> yeah, that should be zoned agricultural. We, you know, we need to progress on that. And then that's where the problem comes in. And the problem comes in is, you know, someone builds next to agriculture and, and they don't want, even though that in your master plan that says this is an area of growth, this is an area where you should put apartments or fourplexes or, or whatever, people are like, mm, no, you know, I like my little green field that someone's irrigating next to me. I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with a fourplex. You know, and, and sometimes apartment buildings, they just bring a stigma. Doesn't matter how good they are yeah. or how much you charge, it's going to bring a stigma. And I mean, we had a huge debate over here. And a lot of times, you know, when we had talked about before that a lot of times knowledge is power, um, people just don't have the knowledge. They don't understand. You know, I, it was funny. Oh, the crime rate across there, you know, by that apartment is just exorbitant. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, is the crime rate higher because there's a higher population? Is the crime rate higher because it's lower income? Well, and they're talking about those apartments by the gas station. Well, also, like, I would rather live next to those apartments and across the way in the neighborhood in in West Gardens than I think is probably a much higher crime. That's a freaking ghetto. You feel like you're in California. (laughs) Well, and I I just told him, it was lucky for me. I had the chief of police there, and I said, chief, is there a higher crime rate? In that area specifically, no. I, I've got a question, too, about that, too, because I, I 100% believe um, nothing grinds my gears more than when people say this is a democracy. We live in a democracy. We live in a republic. Yes, and that there's a big difference, and it's very important because most people don't know, and most people have no business voting on most things. And I think prime example, like it's very frustrating to me and, and there may be laws that required it, but it's very frustrating to me that the combination of Snowflake and Taylor went out to a vote Mm -hmm. like that should have been made by the people that know, that know the numbers, that know the impact it would have instead of out to the public that's going to do it on their emotion. That's why we elect representatives because I'm busy over here running a business. I'm not going to put in the 48 hours of work. It really needs to be done to decide whether that's a good decision. I elected people for that. 
And then they take stuff like that where it's like we elected these people to do this work because a decision like that needs to be very thoughtful and a lot of study go into it. And then it's turned over like, hey, population that knows nothing, what do you want us to do with this? And it's like, no. And and to me, like that occurred to me is like we've got a bunch of leaders that don't want to take ownership over a decision and say, well, if we throw it out to them. Yes, we've done the work to see this would be a big win for both towns and have a huge impact on our community and take a step forward. So but let me, instead of dealing with the upsetness, we'll, we'll do this. Now, on the, I do want to say on the flip side, because if I'm going to throw yeah. that down, I was very happy with how the pot farm was handled. Uh-huh. Should not have gone out to a public vote. There was a lot of people calling for it to be, go out to a public vote. And the town council and the mayor didn't have it go out to a public yeah. vote. So let me just address that real quick. And, and I think you brought this up in another one of your podcasts saying, Hey, the mayor should get 60 grand. I, hey, I agree. I say a hundred. <laughs> Bring it. Six figures. <laughs> That's what, at least. So, um, the overall aspect, it was funny. I was involved in, in you know, the, the town merge and it's funny in your business, you know, and how, how, uh, you get information. And so I was talking to a, a person that was from Taylor and I said, talk to me about why, tell me the reasons why you do not want this to merge because, you know, statistically it made sense. Mm-hmm. You know, we should have done it. And I said, tell me why. Well, this reason I said, okay. And I laid that reason to rest. Well, this reason. Okay. I laid that reason to rest statistically this reason we did that we did that four times four things that they brought up that they didn't want it for a certain reason and i laid it to rest statistically why it was sound that we we combine and then bottom line the person looked at me and says because i don't want to do it and i said you know what i would appreciate in the initial that you don't make excuses for things that you don't know you don't understand these four things because if you did you would know that it made sound sense I would rather you just say, hey, um, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. It doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can handle that and I can deal with that. But just to say I'm not going to do it and then try and make some excuse of why. And it, and it really bothers me sometimes on the council. Um, I've had some issues that I'm just like, come on, guys. You know, if you put put this down on paper, it makes sense. That And, and I've had council members, well, well, I like the guy. <laughs> and I'm like, I like the guy, and that's your excuse, really. You know, we're so su- we're supposed to do this, you know, for the betterment of the town, uh, you know, to save the town money, to utilize their funds appropriately, and you're gonna spend hundreds of thousands of dollars just because you like the guy. You know, it makes no sense on paper. That that just bothers me substantially. And um, number one, uh, I don't know that people. Uh, get involved in the politics that much you know they see a list of names up there to vote for and instead of uh, going by merit or by what they stand for it's a popularity thing which which is a I I see as a huge issue because you talk about this master plan this vision I think the issue comes down to like we're it's it's not communicated in a way where we understand what that is. It it turns into a popularity contest. Yeah. It does. It's not like, hey, here's my master plan, because that to John's question would answer the question. If if 
it was more ran that way where people were involved or didn't go vote if they didn't have a certain level of what they were going to vote for. Because, I mean, it drives me crazy right now that Democrats talking about how more people need, I think less people need to be able to vote. Mm-hmm. I think it should be much, much harder to vote. I think you should have to show somehow that you're at competent. least <laughs> competent. Yeah, that you've you've studied what's going on to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Again, we elect representatives to know it more deeply. But, I mean, it'd be much better if uh, if it was like, yeah, I can tell you that this um, candidate over here is got a plan for growing the city and becoming, you know, X, Y, and Z. And this candidate over here is wants to keep the status quo. Yeah. And... And I, I bet if 90% of people you asked in in uh, an election, they wouldn't be able to say either way. Yeah. It'd be, I don't know, but I like Lynn. I like this guy. I like that yeah. guy. And that's that's what, what gets voted for, which, is, yeah, I, I can imagine makes it very tough to, um, to do that because then on the flip side, you, you may get five council members that are on one side. And five that and I don't even know how many we have that are on the other side of grow or stay or keep the status quo. And it wasn't like they were intentionally elected that way. Yeah. It just happened that way. And then you've got a fight on your hands where within the town council where there is there could be a consensus if only people that had an opinion on it or were educated on it voted. Yeah. It's uh, I think that that's important. It it was it's been interesting to me. So I've been on the council for seven years, and I've been on the as the mayor uh, for five. I've got one more year, and it was interesting. Each year they have a forum where each council member uh, can gets up and they debate. They have a debate. There's questions that are asked. And it's always amazing to me that 10 to 20 people come to that, you know, to, to decide the future of your town. And, uh, and it's crazy, uh, you know, in the debate, I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> it's, it's funny. And, I, and I'm just, it's interesting that the people that drive your town, that only 20 people are interested to know what they say, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I don't know. I, I, I think you're right. I think we need to definitely be way more educated on, on who we put into office. And, and one thing I will, and then let's jump into the rants, but one thing that I would say could be a huge fix on that is the way that the town communicates things. Or, and I say the town, I don't know exactly where it comes from. But, like, what I would imagine is, like, the announcement of that is, like, put on a bulletin board and – or, like, put in the newspaper. Yeah. And, like, but it no is. one's getting it. it no it one's is. getting it. Let's communicate where it's at. Let's start Let's start a damn Facebook page so people actually see it. Well, the town does have a – the town does have a website, mm-hmm. True Statement. And I actually had them add something to the – ask the mayor. You know, there's a site on there where you can ask any question to the mayor. Out of the six, five years that I've been doing this, you guess how many questions I've had? Two. <laughs> Two questions. And and it's offered. You can ask the mayor any question that you want. Let's make it more. Let's, make it more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's double that. We're going to bring that down. To, and, and, uh, and so people don't utilize that. We do have a town website, and it has information. And how many people come to a council meeting? Only... 
it's funny that the people that come, number one, are used to be the scouts. You know, you'd have a scout group come because they're getting citizenship in the town thing, you know. And uh, and then people that have it have an issue, that they'll show up. But for the most part, no one shows up to town council. It's once a month, first Tuesday, every month. We list it. We list the agenda. And people people just don't care. They're busy. They expect us because we are elected to make the right choices. Yet, I would say the majority of people, you know, say, oh, I voted for so-and-so council member. Okay. Do you know how they vote? Have you seen them in a council meeting? You know, you keep putting them in office or you put them in office. But do you do you go and see what questions they ask when a policy is coming up? Well, and, and on the flip side of that, it's not like that's a heated race either. It's not like it's not like out of these 400 people who is going to rise to the top. It's like, well, there's one person on the ballot here. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so if their mom votes for them, they're in. So that brings me to the next thing. If you're going to cry baby about it, then let's see your name on the ballot next yeah. time. Which me personally, I'll say the same thing I said to someone else on this, like, I'll, I'll care enough to point out the problem. I'm much more concerned about my business and the impact yeah. it would have on that to throw my feet in. Um, and, and, and then, but the thing about that too is that I, I, I agree with that 100% and the priorities and, and, and not every person is a politician, but everybody should be in the ear of a politician. Yeah. If you truly have a complaint, okay, and I learned this I, before you get onto your rants, I learned this substantially just in this last, uh, july weather situation if you truly have a rant then hey you know come come to the source and um and i learned something very significant about that so we have this flooding issue uh we have a a substantial issue with the silver creek and the flow and the possibilities of of pretty substantial damage and when people were getting scared because they they had the potential to have uh substantial damage then the rant started going. Mm-hmm. Why didn't the town do this? Why doesn't the town do that? And I'm sitting here going, do you have any idea what the role of the town in this is? Okay. Zero. You know, I, I mean, we have a small role in that. But um, our role in, in the town flooding, we have taken substantial action on. No one knows that we got this huge grant for the Southern and Northern Solutions. No one knows. Oh, that I know. Yeah, <laughs> you would. No one knows that we got this huge grant for to remediate the school flooding. No one knows that we got this huge grant to re- remediate some of the flooding on Back Street. <clears throat> and so, yes, we're taking care of that. Is Silver Creek my responsibility? Technically, no. Not as a city. It's not. So who's it? Is it the flood district? Is it the irrigation district? Is it the county? And, you know, people start passing the buck. Initially, since I had limited knowledge, I'd say, man, this is the irrigation district. This is the flood district. They need to do that. Well, ultimately, it came down to a county issue. I mean, I got Senator Kelly's office involved. I got... Um, uh, the flood district, I got the irrigation district, I got the county. We all got together and said, hey, we got to figure this problem out. Whose responsibility is it? Do we all have some responsibility? What is our responsibility and where do we go from there? And, you know, we've got some things worked out. But I, I started telling about, you know, people would come to me, Mayor, when are you going to fix this? 
when are you going to do something about this? And I'd look at them and they'd be like, you know what? That's not our problem. This, this is their problem. This is their problem. And one day, one of the gentlemen, and he's a good friend of mine. He said to me, he says, you know what? You know what we need, Mayor? We we need someone that's not going to make excuses. We need somebody that's going to act on this. And I, I went home and I was first in a stew, you know, thinking, what's he doing? He's my <laughs> friend telling me. And, and I said, and I said, you know what? You're right. It, I don't believe that it's my responsibility as a mayor to fix the flooding in Silver Creek. I don't think it's our responsibility. And there's a lot of ramifications to that. Um, do I have a responsibility to the citizens? Yes. And so I, as I sat down, I said, okay, he's right. I don't need to make excuses. Maybe my responsibility isn't remediating the flood or stopping the rainwaters from coming, but my responsibility is to be an advocate for the people in the town of Snowflake so that we can get something done. So I said, okay, what can I do as the mayor? Okay, I called the irrigation district. I called the flood district. I called the county. I called Senator Kelly's office. And we had a representative from each one of those entities. We had a meeting, said, okay, let's figure this out. And then we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, overall, was it my responsibility? No. Is it my responsibility as, as a leader in the town of Snowflake? Yes, 100%. Do I feel bad that a friend had to bring that to my attention? Uh, Mayor, you know, we don't need excuses. We need, you know, we need action. Yeah, I feel bad about that. Um, it was a learning process for me, even though I'm old and all that stuff. There's still learning things that I need to do. And, uh, and I thought that that was a, a very important piece in my life and in my leadership uh, role. That, yeah. yeah. So love it. Well, let's dive into our rants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? I'm not going first. All right, John. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, John? Hey, we don't need a drum roll right now. <laughs> <laughs> so my <laughs> my rant today is And it kind of goes off with something. It's similar to what you said earlier today, Garrett, but it's something that's been on my mind is getting clear on your intentions and then, like, having a vision. If you're building a business or even working in a business and, like, there's no real intention and you don't know exactly where you're going, like, it's hard to get there because you don't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And... I have worked really diligently of late to be clear on like, even on my day to day, like what is my vision? And I've seen a significant um, difference. There's a different cadence and pace to like the things that I do. Like like the decisions I make, like they're different than maybe they would have been if I wasn't as clear as I was. And that's my rant. Like get clear on what you want in life and like have that instruct how you go out and perform and make decisions like it's it makes for me it brings so much clarity that it it's it's i find myself feeling silly when i don't it's like this is retarded like <laughs> let's go like be this, clear on what i'm doing dude, right right over there i got my hierarchy of commitments on the very top is being a person that's on purpose which you mentioned a book that perked my ears that great I, book what, what was it again it's called on purpose person on purpose person i'm gonna have to look into that because that 
that sounds like a book that Who I would be it? interested in. Oh man, you asked me. I I could pull it up on my phone. Um, the, stru- the it's interesting the structure of it when I did it, um, and I've actually got high school kids that I'm saying, read this book, figure out your purpose. It may change in 20 years. It may change, but you can do this. The the activities that it tells you to do, and it it has you do kind of a bracket um, in the book and uh, for different aspects of your life, social, uh, economic, mental, blah, 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 and uh, fitness, physical, religious, and you list as many things that you want to achieve in those areas as you can. And ultimately, you put them in a bracket. And then you work the bracket. Okay, out of these two, which one do I want the most? This one. Uh, these two, which one do I want the most? This one. And so on and so forth. And then you get down to your top priority in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Physical, work, social, uh, religious, whatever. And then you make a bracket for the number one ideas. And you write a vision statement and about those things that you come up with. And you come up with your very number one on purpose ideal. And I, I think that it's good because, again, it varies with the stage of your life. In high school, it may have a different outcome. When you're 60, it may have a different outcome. And I, I think that it was very, very valuable. Are the principles things that you've read in other books? 100%. But this... This helps you bring it into a, a uh, hey, let's do this perspective. When you say that, this is the this is the problem. I think that a lot of people don't have vision, and I'm not, you know, even though we're utilizing social media, I hate social media. I think it's the biggest waste of time in, in certain aspects as anything. And people are unfiltered. I, probably one of the biggest uh, rants against Trump was that he was unfiltered in his tweets. And it is so easy to get on social media and say something that you haven't thought about. You know, somebody says something and you get pissed off and so you type back, you know, and you rant. When when in actuality, if you would have sat down for 15 minutes and developed your vision on that subject, it could have saved you a lot of grief. You know, and and I see this all the time when I work with kids. They're constantly on their phones, and I give them trash. I'm like, how much time do you spend on your phone a day? How much time do you think average high school kid spends on their phone? Over eight hours, I'd imagine. It's five to eight. And I'm like, I, I tell them, I, you know, as a a trainer, a coach, I'm at, I would sit there and, and just as a business person, I say, do you know what you can do with five hours? I'm a businessman. I have six offices, 30 employees, blah, 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 you know, dealing with these things. And I said, I spent two and a half hours on my phone. Okay. But I have reading time. I have listening time. I don't waste time with music. I listen to things that are going to make me better when I drive and, and stuff like that. My kids, you can ask them. They used to hate it. Dad's got another talk show on. You know, Can we listen to some music this time or something? And, I, and I'm just like, that's, to me, that stuff is just a, such a waste of time. And to and and I watch this. I see these kids and and. Sometimes we as adults are making bad precedents. 
I see these kids on the bus and we're going to, to a competition. And instead of them thinking about the competition, I see this. And I, and I got to think, what are they doing? Okay, they're on Facebook. They scroll. They see something. They don't even read it. And they push like. <laughs> like. Like. And I'm like, do you know what you just liked? No. Does that help you develop a vision? No. It has nothing to do with thought or nothing to do with how you actually feel about a subject. Someone may get on there and post um, you know, I killed someone today. It felt really good. I feel, I feel good about that. Like, you know, Love like living your truth, <laughs> queen. Yeah. Or this one. This is my big rant, and I would be careful. Oh, you're so brave. I love you. you know? Don't be careful. Let her fly. <laughs> you're just, you're just being you. Yeah, I just killed someone. Okay. But hey, you're just being no, you. No, no, it's more like in high school. It's like, yeah, they're hot. I'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that too. And, I, and I'm like, how does that help us develop a vision? How does that help us develop a sense of who we are and what we really want when we're just flipping through and pushing like because, you know, it gives. And it, I, I tell you, the happiest day of my life was about four years ago. And I deleted Facebook from my phone. <laughs> and I am so happy. I get so frustrated. My wife will say, oh, did you, let me tell you what so-and-so said on Facebook today. I'm saying, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Why? Because I don't want to judge that person and not like them because they reacted in five minutes to something that they heard or saw or read that they haven't really thought about. You know, and I, it just drives me crazy. That That's be, my rant. That being said, um, yeah, I, I deleted Facebook off of my phone about a year ago. Um, a few weeks ago, I put it back on mostly for work purposes. Um, but, yeah, I have seen a significant increase in the quality of my life by not having that on my phone. And I'll, be, I'll straight up tell you, I was wasting too much time on Facebook, way too much time. Down the rabbit hole, I would go. Yeah. And can you imagine a kid? One time I was talking to a young lady and I said, I want to see your screen time. And she's in for good. And she looked at it and she goes, no. And I said, no, <laughs> let me see your screen time. Eight hours. And I'm like, that's a full work day, man. You know, you you have the opportunity. Just think of how much how much better you would be in your athletics if you spent four hours of that working out trying to get better to your specific uh, activity or think of how much smarter you would be. You know, I look back and I look at my wasted years in high school and I think, man, if I would have just applied myself for a couple of hours, I could have got a scholarship and had most of my education paid for since that's the path that I chose. Or I could have been so much more proficient at this. I see these kids. I see there's a young man that comes in and, uh, he, I think he, he's thinking about being more of a trades tradesperson. And he went out and bought himself a welder. And he's learning how to weld by himself. He has a few of his friends that know how to weld. They're in Navit. And he's learning how to weld. And he'll come to me. We'll, we'll work on him. And he says, man, coach, I ran this great bead today. You know, it didn't look like chicken crap. It, you know, I was on a, a unlevel, parallel, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was a gap in between my metal. And, man, I did this great bead. And I'm thinking, man, this is a kid. He's going to go places. Because he's not sitting there going, like 
like like he's you know actually doing something to uh increase or enhance his professionalism and I don't know, man. I so just... I'm going to run at this at a little bit different angle because I think we're demonizing the device, and the device I don't think is necessarily the problem. I think people and their choices are their problem. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And I think it's it's wise to know yourself, though, and know the impact of the device because there's – I mean, if it in, in the past, you know, it might have been magazines that mm. – kids sat there and they read the damn teen magazine for <laughs> comic books eight hours a day it was comic books it was just now that being said there is a distinction between the ability that a magazine has to addict a person and the ability a phone has to addict a person so i 100 percent believe that a, a smartphone is an adult device you should have to be 21 or older to own one because I don't. I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think it's any different than other things we protect kids from. They don't have the mental capacity to put the guardrails they they need to put well, on it's themselves. A, it's a good thing I didn't have a smartphone in high school. Oh, me too. I would have been a mess. The, yeah. And and I, mean, I think it's wise for um, adults to know themselves to say, hey, I I this isn't a battle that I want to fight every day. It's a lot easier to just be totally gone. Because there, there's people that may spend 12 hours on their phone, and it is their work. And they're making, doing very productive things on a phone. But there's other people that maybe don't have a phone, but never produce a thing in their life because they're sitting around. Scroll like, scroll they do. like, scroll like. Well, yeah, or yeah. even if it's not a phone, something yeah. else fills their life that's very unproductive, and they're not on purpose. And I think that's really where it comes back to is, like, doing it on purpose. Like, that's... That's the discussion me and my wife have a lot is I'm like, I like around the phone is if I'm on it, I want to be on it on purpose. The zombie scrolling, whenever I feel myself doing that, I'm like, oh, there's an issue here. Yeah. Compared to if, because I I do believe there's a difference when me, like me and my wife will use it sometimes as entertainment, no different than watching a movie. Let's hop on here and find funny things to laugh at. Yeah. Which, that's fine. But when we're sitting there not having a conversation, both zombied out, doing the scroll-like, scroll-like thing, that's where I think it's like, man, this is a horrible waste of time. And it's a much more powerful tool than anything humans have dealt with in the past. But I think humans, it boils down to humans taking control of themselves and knowing themselves on the thing. And I I think that... Having them take control like that, I agree 100%. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think media is important and it does have a use, but I don't think that people understand that it is addictive <laughs> yeah. and that oh, that yeah. addiction can take over their life. You know, the conversation, you know, how many times have you been in a group where you should be conversing and People are sitting there like this. One time, we, I took a picture. I got a picture somewhere in my, uh, in my, in, in all my photos. Uh, we were as a family, and uh, we had gone to breakfast, and you know, it's a time at bonding, you know. Mm-hmm. And I look over there, and every one of them are on their phone. <laughs> no one's talking. No one's even eating. They're just playing with their phone. And I step back, and I took a picture of it because 
I thought this is so representative of our society and how much time is lost when parents are trying to communicate with a kid that they have control over their phone. Yet their kid is, you know, what, 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 what'd you say, dad, you know, or, or in a conversation, it drives me crazy probably because I have such a big pet peeve of it. If we get together as a family and uh, we're hanging out and someone's on their phone, I'll go back in my bedroom and read. You know, yeah. I'm just like, you know, this isn't, this isn't get pre- off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or, or should I text you saying, Hey, can we, uh, can we talk or something like that? You know, I, I even hate that aspect to think that, Hey, we're here as a group. In fact, I, you know, as Tyler, there, there are times when we go out to dinner. All right. Everybody put their phones up, yeah. you know, phones in the, in here. I want them. I don't want you. We're all conversing. Which, which that's that like what that brings me to when I see that happening. I want to be like, well, if if that's really what you want to do, if you don't want to really be with me, then don't be with me. Stay home. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you accept the invitation? Um, but yeah, and and I would say my bigger pet peeve is flopping that the parents and the kids. Which this is going to be a very judgmental statement, but I'm saying it anyway <laughs> because it grinds my gears seeing parents with their kids and their kids trying to get their parents attention and the parent is on their phone oh yeah that that is like like i want to go up and i want to shove the phone in the person's <laughs> face and then pull it out and shove it up their ass <laughs> because it like man it just is like you're missing out on so much and i think i i like view social media as more valuable than probably anyone in this room um just because i that i i i find it as a useful thing in my life um but when i see that it's like man that's 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 the danger in it and if you're not awake to those dangers you're going to become victim to it and you're going to have a kid over there that just wants to is is dying to be with his parents and yeah. his parents are watching some chick twerk on Instagram or something. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. It drives me crazy. And it can be the same way. Like, again, I don't know if that's necessarily new. I'm sure, you know, in the nineties, there were dads that are too busy reading the wall street journal to be with their kid when they're with them. So or just watching TV or whatever. Yeah. So it like, I, I do think people have the power and the tool is just a tool, no different than, I mean, and, and I, I, I feel that way to be um, ideal, ideal, idealistic, I, I don't know, what the, uh, consistent in my thinking. Uh-huh. Because, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to say, hey, guns don't kill people, people kill people using a tool, I feel the same way about social media or, um, or our phones in general. Phones don't. Uh, like phones don't addict people, people allow themselves to get addicted to phones. Okay. And just like a gun is, yes, a gun is a much more dangerous tool than a, a you know, hammer. But yes, it's much more dangerous. So there's more cautions you take with it. Yeah, a hammer can kill a person. A gun can kill a person. But I lock my gun up. So no one can get to it that I don't want to get to it. So my kids can't touch it. My hammer, my kids have access to, even though they can cause some damage with that. <laughs> I think it's the same way with the phone. Like it's a tool and it's the people that make the decisions with tools. And it, it end of the day is an inanimate object and it's built on purpose to be much more dangerous to us. 
But end of the day, it's people that either use don allow them to be taken over that or not. So yeah, I think I think it's a you know so I, most of the kids that I work with are teenage aspect and and this is this is a fun thing, um, and I. I think that it doesn't end. I think that when I, we talk to our adult children, I love hearing their responses. But it, if there's a parent out there listening, and I, I don't know how young you could get into your kids, but I think that kids uh, are understanding at a very young age. I learned this as a bishop. I had a baptismal interview, and a, a kid came in to me. And I'm always confused. Okay, how do I? How do you present certain things to an eight-year-old? You know, morality and that kind of stuff. And and I asked this eight-year-old. I said to him, I said, uh, I was thinking, you know, how I could say this. I said, uh, Do you know what it means to be chaste? And he looked at me and he goes, Is that C H A S E D or C H A S T E? I was like, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Interview's done. <laughs> you're, we can baptize you. <laughs> you're understanding enough. And, and I, it was interesting, you know, the perspective. These kids know things young. And so uh, when I go on a trip <clears throat> with my cross-country kids, and a lot of times I'd be in a van, and I have the seat up by me. They, you know, they all want to sit by each other and blah, blah, blah. And I have the seat up by me, and I say, okay, we're taking turns. You come up here. And uh, I'll say, okay, this is the issue. This is today's issue. Because I, I want to know what they're thinking. I said, this is today's issue. Um, uh, racism. And I say, I'm going to start off and I'm going to be saying that there is no racism. And you're going to see, you're going to defend the, the idea that there is racism. And then we'll debate for 10 minutes. And then at the end of that 10 minutes, I'm going to say that there is no racism and you're going to say that there is, vice versa. Yeah. And uh, and it's interesting to see the perspective of these young people that, again, on so social media, sometimes they just flap something out there. Mm -hmm. You know, they have no clue. But it's a talking I, point that they've I'm heard. making them think about it. And it's interesting the reaction that I've gotten over the years that we've done this is that kids will go like, wow. Uh, coach just thrashed me in this and yet they're they're uh developing their thought process and they're actually having to think about something rather than just scrolling like mm -hmm. or they have to formulate opinion that a lot of times they're not asked about or you know um i remember listening to one big debate the kids were talking about uh uh racism or, some there was something they had very strong opinions and i said okay i'm gonna go the opposite and as we talked uh i remember the one kid goes back in the back seat we were all wrong <laughs> i'm like i gotta be careful of what i'm doing here i'm indoctrinating them to a certain thing but it was interesting that they when they actually had to think about it they're like wow you know i i didn't really realize that which i think goes to the point that most people shouldn't be able to vote on what we do in the day. Because <laughs> that doesn't stop at adolescence. Yeah, so, and, I, and I agree with that. <laughs> so let's, let's dive in because we've been going for a while and I've loved it, but I think it'd be a big missed opportunity to not talk more specifically about leadership. And I had a, an instance in mind that I think everyone could relate because there's a, like I mentioned, you've been in a lot of leadership positions throughout throughout your life. Um, 
And my experience of you is like the position isn't nearly as important as who you are. Like it's not like you you don't show up with leadership if you've got a title. Like um, you you just are leadership. And I think it would be cool to talk about a specific instance and, and maybe not instance but circumstance that I think everyone could relate to. Um, and that you're you'd be much more unique than anyone else we've talked about that. And so what I'm curious about is how it was for you, what you learned, leadership that you brought to the table in early 2020, mid 2020, as the pandemic, as the Corona started going and really rolling um, in there. And and because if I kind of walk everyone back through, like we are where we are at today, um, which is where we're at in the pandemic. But I remember early 2020, like there was a lot of questions. We didn't know. There was, we didn't know if this was passed on services. We didn't know if masks were useful or not useful. We didn't know exactly death rates, who was being affected, if it was just 90-year-olds or if it was going to start killing healthy 20-year-olds or even kids. Like there was a lot of questions. And I would imagine like there 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 was power turned over to you in the way of people were willing to comply in a in a much different way than maybe they would have been without the pandemic that you had as mayor of of snowflake and i saw a bunch of other towns in our community you know reacting making decisions whether they're good or bad you know not necessarily like that i'd be more interested in how how was that for you and like maybe talk specifically to leadership um as you were in that position of leadership and then i see it as like more you were you were given more power than otherwise would have been there because you would have had people doing complying to things um a lot different than they would have at any other point of you being in that leadership position yeah so that that was interesting I, i remember when i made my official statement as the mayor and then I got the reactions. I thought I made a pretty good statement. And thank you to Katie. Uh, <laughs> she she helped out on that with some of the wording and everything that I, I, I felt. But it, it was funny. I thought it was a great proclamation for the town that fit the area uh, uh, that we're in as the pandemic uh, was uh, progressing and so on and so forth. And... You know, I, I'm th- I I walk away thinking, man, that was good. I did a good job. And yet, oh, the social media blast. <laughs> You're the worst. You don't care about people. You're going to be a murderer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're going, what? <laughs> what? And, it, and it, I think that, um, you know, obviously everybody has their ideals. And there was such a, a variation of ideals about that. And a ton of uncertainty and inconsistency. Do, yes, you need to wear a mask. You know, Fauci, yes, you need to wear a mask. No, you, I mean, no, you don't need to wear a mask. And then all of a sudden, yes, you need to wear a mask. Masks aren't effective. Oh, yeah, it helps the pandemic so much and blah, blah, blah. All the, all the different variations that were in that. And uh, <clears throat> I tried to formulate my own opinions and my own ideals. And I talked uh 
my friend Chad Brimhall, a physician, he and I talk substantially about that. And he knows that I'm, I'm not overly uh, uh, medical on that aspect, even though I'm in the medical profession. I'm not overly medical on that. And we had some really good, logical, good discussions. And, and so when I, when I uh, issued out our proclamation or our town proclamation, um, number one, I, I tried to base it on a certain amount of science, knowing that there's huge variations in the science. I tried to base it upon the population and ideal of the people, knowing that there are some people that if you don't wear a mask, don't ever come around me. And if you wear a mask, don't ever come around me. And so as I looked at that, um, and then I think the bottom line importance aspect uh, for the majority of the people is uh, agency and respect, okay? Um, I can utilize my agency, but I have to respect your opinion, okay? Um, and, and so I, I kind of base the, the proclamation on that. Um, you have your agency to wear a mask, okay? Or you have your agency not to wear a mask, but be respectful of people. If I come up to you and I'm, I'm offending you substantially because I'm not wearing a mask, I'll wear a mask. You know, it's not that big a deal to wear a mask for five minutes while I am in association with you. And I mean, it doesn't put me out. Maybe if it were affecting my health, I would just withdraw and say, hey, this is going to affect my health. I'm going to, I'm not going to talk to you then, or we can do this at another time. Um, and and not blast you, you know. It, what are you the biggest idiot? You think this helps? It's not filtering out Jack, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just making me sick. Okay, if you really believe in that, then I'm going to exercise my agency to be courteous to you for a few minutes while we do this. Now, does that go outside of some people's comfort zone? Yeah, but get over it. You know what I mean? And and I respect the people that say, hey, I don't believe in this stuff. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. Okay. But you got to recognize that on the other hand, there's some people that are so uh, in favor of that, that they feel the exact same way you do, but in the opposite. And we don't have to fight about it. The debate's still going. You know, oh, yeah. it's still going today. And it's, it'll probably go for a while. And it's not going to be resolved. But is it worth us? You know, is it worth us offending each other for two to three minutes of our time? You know, if, um, you, you know, I don't uh, misjudge anybody. Say you go to a store and the store highly recommends it, but they don't mandate it. And then there's people that are saying, no, you have to, you have to do this or you have to do that. Well, if I'm six feet away from you, who cares? You know, if I walk in this store and I can distance and be six feet i'm not gonna wear a mask if i don't want to and i don't expect you to if i want you to okay um and and so i did it that way that's that's how i utilize my position to say you know what i'm not going to mandate it because you know we do have freedom uh to choose and 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 those abilities i'm not going to take that away from you unless you're really harming someone now, the argument might be, hey, you really are harming someone. But then again, the science isn't out there. It's not like taking a gun and going. So, so how was it for you as a leader when you put this, 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 this idea out there that, uh, said, hey, that you felt was, was thought through, um, you had clarity around it, and like it wasn't received with open – like it, it, 
it was logical, made sense. It was a decision you made as a leader, and not everyone received it. And I would imagine some of the feedback is like you're not you're you're not even reading this. Like yeah. you you went in deciding what it was going to say before you even read it because you're not even making any sense. So how how was that for you as a as a leader having that response? So number one, it's frustrating in a sense that number one, people don't trust you. They don't trust that you've studied it out or researched it out. They don't trust you that you have respect for both sides of the of the coin. You know, the people that really have strong feelings this way and the people that really have strong feelings that way. They don't trust you that you understand the Constitution or the freedoms that we have as people. That's frustrating. It's frustrating um, to me to say, to have someone say, uh, yeah, we all have freedoms as long as you do what I want you to do. <laughs> you know, we have freedom of speech just as long as you say what I want you to say. I can say this and this and this, but you can't say this. I can have my beliefs, but you can't have your beliefs. And that's very frustrating for me as leadership because that's not what we're founded on. You know, you know, uh, the gay issue or something like that. You know, a lot of times or even uh, the racist issue. Hey, there's systemic racism. And, and I have the right to say that. And I have the right to protest or put up signs. But then the person says, hey, there's not systemic racism. No, you can't say that. You're, you can't, that's, you know, see, that just proves you're a racist. Or same thing with gay people. You know, they say, but hey, we can, this is the way it should be. This is the way it should be. And yet when someone on the opposite side, no, no, that's not the way. You can't say that, you know. That's frustrating. That's a frustrating aspect of politics that um, make it to where you're like, uh, why, why am I going to be in politics? Why do I want to try this? You know, if I try and make it fair and someone on this side says no, you know, uh, it, that, that becomes very frustrating when I'm giving you your right. I've given you your right to wear a mask. But I haven't taken away his right not to wear a mask. Yeah. Well, one thing I I wonder about, like, looking at this realm of leadership, um, the scalability of it. Like, I wonder about the scalability of leadership. Because I would imagine, like, you there would be a different response to someone that's, say, in your company. Where you've got the ability to be like, I... I want to, I'm committed in showing up in a way that people are heard, understood, and they understand me. I'm communicating in a way that they understand that I'm taking that into account. And that's how I arrived at this decision. Um, and, And I would imagine, say, for your business where you're talking 30, 40 people, you could show your, you could show up in a committed way where if it took sitting with each of them, for a half hour until they they felt all those things like that commitment could be brought to it when you're talking something like uh, an entire town like there's there's just not that scalability like how how do you how how and and i'm gonna throw this out there not like there's an answer um because i sure as heck don't have an answer but what i would wonder is like how is how can one be committed 
in a way to have everyone understand that when there's so many constraints. Like you can be committed as a leader that everyone um, has the experience that their their side is heard and understood, but there's a there's a scalability problem in that from one person to be able to do that. You know, I think that they that in politics and, and real quick, just just to bring a little bit of clarity, like I would imagine, just like the uh, thing you talked about with the guy in Taylor, anyone you sat down with that either had an issue on one side or the other, you guys could get on the same page and realize, okay, yeah, even if I don't agree with you, I can be a lot more. Uh, like I, I, I understand you're taking into consideration what I have to say here. Yeah. And I, and I, I think that that's important in public forums and outlets. You know, I, I think that people need a, a forum where they have their voice to be heard. Unfortunately, as we've talked about a lot of times that's social media and it's unfiltered in it or, and sometimes not very much thought has gone into that. Sometimes when I see a response on Facebook, I'm like, man, did they even think about this issue? Or did they think about what what's going on with their, you know, it's so easy because there's no one there to confront them. Mm-hmm. There's no one there to say, wait a second. And how many times when you look on Facebook and you see one of those answers and you go, oh my gosh, I am going to post. And your wife says, no, don't do that, honey. You know, Every you, day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> this conversation is sounding awful familiar. <laughs> and, I, and I'm just sitting there going, so I think that people need to have an, uh, an outlet to where they can be heard. Unfortunately, I don't believe that that outlet is specifically social media as far as Facebook or Instagram or something like that. And um, they need conversation. And generally when you can sit down and have a conversation, you, you can see the points of view. You know, I've been in conversations where I have a completely opposite point of view, but after we discuss it and I see where they're coming from, then, then I, you know, I, I can walk away and say, okay, I understand that. A lot of times the bad thing about politicians is they're says, you know, they always want the vote, especially when they make the big bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the problem with some of these politicians that are, uh, you know, forever career politicians, you call them, uh, they make so much money at it that it's not getting down to, you know, this or that. It's, okay, how can I please this and this so that I get the vote for the next time? Yeah. You know, the politician always wants another term because especially a career politician, because that's their life. I am so pro term limits, even if you get the best politician that, you know, you really like and you would love to have in there for a long time. No, there should be a term limit. Well, and the best ones usually turn uh, pretty bad. I mean, Jeff Flake was okay for a while. <laughs> Jeff Flake is garbage now. I hope you're listening, Jeff. I told you last time I saw you in person, you're garbage. <laughs> I, just, I just think that, you know, and the bad thing um, is that they get into a position, I'm sorry, when you're in a public light, you're not going to please all other people. Mm-hmm. You're just not. And um, because you have a variation. And as long as you're uh, pleasing the majority of the people, then fine. You're going to stay in office or, or whatever. But, um, you know, after that period of time, trying to please all the entities, you just can't do it. And you get in a web that makes you lie, that makes you cheat, makes you, you know, 
it's just not a good thing. Who is it? Oh, I think it's old Grant Cardone that says, if you're not making enemies, you're not doing something right. Sounds something. like Grant Cardone. Basically <laughs> saying, you know, like, hey, listen, if you're trying to do something big and make a difference in the world, like, regardless of how or whatever, like, there's no perfect way to get everybody to love you. Like, people are not going to like you. And there, there was a distinct, uh, like, I don't know what to call it, but I, I distinctly remember when I came to the realization as a leader and there was a, a real acceleration in me as a person when I realized that when, when I was clear on what leadership meant um, and specifically when I realized that I held relationship, respect, um, and, and these other things as leadership, but one thing that has nothing to do with leadership is pleasing people or people liking you. Oh yeah. And when I recognized that, I realized the like like I I could move so much more freely. Um and that that doesn't mean that it's not important to me in certain situations to take in consideration how it's going to occur for other people, but it doesn't in end of the day that's not a uh it doesn't drive any of the decisions. It may just have an impact on how I deliver a decision, but it doesn't drive a decision. And I think that that can be such an easy trap to fall into because it feels good to be liked. It's so much easier to just, yep, we like this guy. This is great. This is good. And I think that's why you do see so many people um, sway to one side because generally um, the – the upset people are the people that are the loudest. So, and and it can definitely feel like it's overwhelming when it's not very many. Yeah. We can, we can have 20 customers call about a change we made and it feels like, oh no, like everything's collapsing. And you step back and that's the emotional thing that's happening. It's like, we've got to do something. Something's got to happen. Everyone's so upset. Well, I've got 20 angry customer calls this this week like our business is collapsing and then step back and go oh, we had 20 people out of 15,000 and those 20 people are the top tier maddest the people that just yeah i don't i don't know why this kind of bugs me i don't know why they did this but i don't know why they changed my route day kind of bugs me but yeah move on with their life um and i think that's a bad habit to fall into leadership where you're just chasing the the likes and the pats on the back yeah. um, can be a very dangerous place to be. One real quick thing that I would say about leadership that I've learned in the past multiple years of taking on some of these roles that's important. And then I got to get, I have another commitment. But, um, sometimes what you're attempting as a leader doesn't show up immediately. Okay, leadership is longevity, and uh, you may not get your point across, no matter how qualified you are as leader or the quality of your leadership, and it may not sink in. And I've seen that on the council. There's an issue that I have been fighting for years and years and years, and. Um, I've received directive from the council several times and every time that I uh, completed what they, they required of me to do and, and we it, co it comes time to decide, eh, they all back out. 
And I'm like, wait a second. You told me to do this. I did this. Then you backed out. You told me to do this. I did that. Then you backed out. You told me to do this. I did that. And then you backed out again. Wait a second. And then uh, years later, something happens to where, you know, your leadership actually shines forth, not only in your community, but in this community and that community and that community. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's important that leadership isn't always immediate. Leadership isn't always making a stance and a decision right now and the results are right then. Leadership is taking your philosophy, uh, maintaining your philosophy even in the face of adversity and then seeing that it is actually, wow, you know, and then having other people realize, you know, I sat in a meeting uh, over the last month and, and we sat there and I said uh, a point that I've been trying to get across. And when you have other other leaders of other communities and you're talking and they're going, <laughs> you know that that it, it's been a good thing, yeah. even though it's taken you know, an eternity, it seemed like, to get that through. And I I love that you said that because, like, I hear that not only as leadership, like, in what you're specifically talking about is in the domain of being, like, a mayor and, and looking to have uh, influence for betterment in our community and surrounding communities. But, like, leadership in yourself, in your church, in your work, in track, like – Leadership is a process. Like, yeah, creation yeah. is a process. It's not an event. It's not like it just one event. Yeah. It's it's longevity, as you said. I love that. So I think to wrap this up, what we can say is Lynn Johnson, Mayor 2022. Is that when you got here? You left? Mayor Johnson, Mayor 2022. Because we need we need to keep with that leadership. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys. I want you to know, and anybody listening, it was obviously not perfect. I think my biggest asset is that I'm a continual learner. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to be on purpose. I'm still trying to uh, not make excuses. You know, in, in that learning curve, I want to be better, and I want to be better at it. And uh, you know, I, I probably that's probably my my biggest asset for me right now is that I'm not satisfied. Yeah. I'm not satisfied in in my business. I'm not satisfied in my mayoralship. I'm not satisfied on my cross country or track team. I'm not. I want to be better. I want to uh, to be a continual learner. I'm figuring out what my purpose is now, and I'll do that again in ten years. You know. Love it. But I, I want to do that. I do want to say one thing. Thank you so much. I really, honestly, I, tell, I, I want to be on that thing. <laughs> For me, it's more of an honor. I, I think that this is awesome that I can sit and have a good conversation with you guys. Next time, that chiropractor dude you had on, I want him sitting right there. He, All right. He and I are it. going to town. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. That sounds like a great, we're going to settle this. <laughs> yeah. that, that podcast got me fired up. I, I think we need to just do a full round table. Like, I, I, you're, you're at the end of your career. I've got a brother-in-law that just 
just finished PT school. We'll get him. Then we'll get brand new chiropractor. So we got everyone <laughs> fighting, and we'll just roundtable it. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, and anytime anything comes up that you just want to tell the people you're welcome back you just say Garrett I got <laughs> I got something to, controversial to say I'll be like let's do it <laughs> yeah and anybody in the town I, I think a lot of times people don't they just don't understand they don't have the knowledge yeah. and um, don't hesitate I'm open I, I can talk I've had the heat you know people come to me not real happy and people come to me very happy people come to me with you know crazy things and people come to me with legit stuff you know yeah come i, I think i think the open dialogue communication is a key we just need to communicate and uh understand the issues and help i had a <laughs> you said something the other day i, I remember uh someone was talking about the sweeper uh-huh. And he said, man, I'm just going to go saw buy me a roll, sweeper. Saw it rolling into town just the other night. <laughs> exactly. We bought a sweeper. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> yes. I, I'll be honest. I saw it rolling right down my road, and I'm like, there we go, boys. <laughs> <laughs> One for Garrett. <laughs> I, I actually was going to make a post and be like, good on the town. Good on the town. These streets are about to be cleaned up. <laughs> Anyway, I had a, we were talking about this water issue and I had a local farmer and he said, you know, people are griping, you know, why don't we keep these weeds and trees and yada, yada out. And one of the local farmers said, I've cleaned out my portion of the, the, uh, creek five times in the last 20 years. So four times four every four years, but, yeah. he, he goes in and he cleans his own at his expense doing his thing. And I, I'm like, Hey, you know, when you say I've got to buy a sweeper for the town, I think there are things that town people can do, mm-hmm. you know, be proactive. Yeah. You know, I, I love that. Anyway, thank you so much. Yeah, this was I, awesome. I appreciate it was, that. It was awesome. Yeah. All right. Guys. All right. Appreciate everyone listening. Peace.